When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dan Snow's History Hit. The other day, Team History Hit were filming in a little village in Wiltshire in southern England. We're on the hunt for archaeology, material culture, things left behind by Easy Company, that unit of the 101st Airborne that were made famous by the book and the TV series. Now probably the most famous Allied unit from the Second World War. We found some really very special things. We found a dog tag belonging to a member of Easy Company. We got in touch with his descendants. And it's all been a great documentary over on History Hit TV. But while we were there, we also just stumbled across a veteran of a different sort. We met Barbara Sowerby. She was a child living in Hong Kong at the outbreak of the Second World War. Once Japan invaded Hong Kong, she and her family were taken into custody. She spent from 1941 to 1945 as a prisoner of the Imperial Japanese Army. I was lucky enough to meet Barbara and her husband Keith and their son, and they welcomed me into their house. A few weeks later, we recorded this podcast with Barbara talking about her experiences as a young girl in a prisoner of war camp. But the sad news was that her husband, Keith, who'd done much to set it up and encourage her to do this interview, passed away just after we recorded this episode. I obviously checked with Barbara and Keith's son, Stephen. He wants us to share this episode. He's been kind enough to say that it's what his dad would have wanted. He was always very proud of his wife's tenacity and resilience. And so this episode is dedicated to Keith Sowerby, who for decades and decades was a wonderful husband to Barbara and a great dad to Stephen. If you wish to go and watch a documentary about the Band of Brothers, please go to History at TV. You can follow the link in the notes for this podcast. Just click on that and then type Band of Brothers in and it will take you there straight away. You can have a look at that and the other archaeology that we found. In the meantime, folks, here's the remarkable story of Barbara Sowerby, told by the woman herself. Enjoy. Barbara, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Tell me about your life in Hong Kong before the war. It was idyllic. We had servants. Dad was the overseer of the docks, Wampu docks. Dad came from Somerset, mother was Portuguese, and we had a nice house, someone to do the cooking and everything. I had a nanny, so it was a nice life. And how old were you when you first heard stories that war might be coming, or you first got an inkling something bad was on the way? Because mother took us out of our beds and put us in the garage at the bottom of the house, which was called a go-down. She put a mattress down because I was just over five, and. Nanny was with me as well, and we stayed there while the bombing was going. We didn't go upstairs at all. We stayed on this concrete floor on a mattress for blankets and things. And how old were you, about five or six years old? Just five. I just started school, and we were taken out of school because the Japanese had raided. I didn't realise what was going on at that age, but I thought it was strange that I had to come out of my comfortable bed and lie on this floor. But we did as we were told. And it was three days we were there. 
Mother made the Christmas puddings and I can remember them hanging in the old muslin style and the steam because it was the day before Christmas Eve that we left. I remember the tannoy saying the last ship was going. Mother had five minutes to pack for the three boys. My elder sister, her husband was in the army, didn't know where he was. She had a child about the same age as me. And we struggled outside and it was then I saw fires and holes and then I got frightened. And my brother helped me with my case. We all had a suitcase and our names were painted on there. We all ran other families from the dockyard. We ended up in Lido Club by the sea, Repulse Bay, where happier times we went to play. Before that, we were running and stopping in different hotels with windows shattered and lying on the floors. And then when it was safe, we'd got up and run again. And then that's when we landed up at Lido. Did you think you might get a boat to safety? Well, we were hoping, but we'd missed the last boat from the docks. But there was bombing all the time. So I don't know if that last boat got away, but we missed it. So we were held up in this Lido club, beautiful place, and the mothers went and raided the cupboards and tried to feed us the next morning. We were sleeping on the marbled floor on bath towels, I remember. Mother kept me close in the cubicles, it was cubicles. And while we were trying to eat something, the Japanese broke in and with their rifle butts, they just shouted because we couldn't understand what they were saying, pushed everyone else with the butts of their rifles outside. And then we had to queue up in the hot sun all day from different groups of people, whichever nationality they were. And they took everybody's names down. And we stood there all day without a drink or anything in this hot sun. And I was hanging on to my mother's skirt and my brothers were nearby as well. And by the end of the day, it seemed to take ages, they got lorries and we were put in the back of lorries and driven for a long time. It was dark by the time we reached Stanley and we ended up in St. Stephen's quarters. And I was saying to mum, can't we stop for bread and jam? I just want a piece of bread and jam. Mum, I'll be all right then. We haven't had any dinner. I can remember saying this. But when you've had such a good life and suddenly it's turned upside down, these horrible memories stay. Anyway, we got into St. Stephen's Quarters, which was a college, and they used it for a hospital, the English. And I remember I couldn't walk on the floor. It was sticky. All the adults put us to bed. In the morning, it was very strange getting up, sleeping with strangers in this big room. And even the governor of Hong Kong was in the camp with us. Until we got sorted out, they tried to keep families together. We were put in the Indian quarter where the Indian soldiers were. Because being a colony, there was lots of different soldiers there, Canadians, all sorts, Australians. Anyway, we had a room, 12 by 8, something like that, where the Indian soldiers used to sleep. We had running water. We had a kitchen, but nothing to cook with, and bunk beds. We ended up, got sorted out, my three brothers, mother and me, in one room. My sister and her husband managed to escape. 
he was bayoneted in the bottom and luckily we had a doctor in the camp and a hospital of sorts but he didn't have any medicine there was black market going on of course and unbeknown to me my mother had saw what happened to women who the men couldn't get the rings off they just cut their fingers my mother had sewn it in the lapels of my coat being small she thought they won't touch the little children we settled in and sometimes if someone tried to escape the japanese would have everybody out whether you were ill you couldn't walk you had to get out and we all had to stand sometimes for hours while they counted us and every morning a bell would go in the cookhouse just up the road and my elder brother 14 george would go and get breakfast in army cans and it was about two dessert spoons of runny rice it's supposed to be a porridge per person that was your breakfast and then the bell would go for tiffin lunchtime and my brother would go and collect it it's the main meal of the day you had a tiny sprat and a spoonful of boiled rice and then that was it and i used to say haven't we got anything else mum no can he have one of your cakes Mum said, I'm sorry, I can't bake here. I was about six and a half then and knew by then that this wasn't a nice place to be in. And on the way to camp, though Mother tried to shield us, we saw lorries and lorries of bodies that were being collected. You listen to Dan Snow's history. I'm talking to Barbara Sowby about being a prisoner of the Japanese in the Second World War. More coming up. Millions dead, a higher proportion of civilian casualties than in the Second World War. America, Britain, Russia and China all involved in a conflict that technically remains active to this day. So why is the Korean War of 1950-53 to called the Forgotten War? This July, we're dedicating a special series of episodes to finding out what this unique conflict was all about. Join me, James Rogers, throughout July on the Warfare podcast from History Hit as we remember the war the world forgot. I'm Professor Susanna Lipscomb, and on Not Just the Tudors from History Hit, I'm looking for answers to the big questions about every aspect of life in the early modern period. Like, how did the memory of Anne Boleyn continue to influence the court of her daughter, Elizabeth I? How were fairies brought to life on the Elizabethan stage? And how did the arrival of male-only doctors threaten the lives of women? In other words, not just the Tudors, but most definitely also the Tudors. Twice a week, every week. Subscribe now and follow me on Not Just the Tudors from History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura Frames 
are beautiful. Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. And also remember, when you use a messaging app, they shrink the photos. You cannot print those out. You cannot blow them up. This is high quality imagery going to one of the most important people in your life. The Aura app is super easy to set up. It takes about two minutes and you're going to love it. There's free unlimited storage, add unlimited photos and videos, and invite as many people as you want to a frame. Right now, Aura has got a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code DANSNOW at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. My father was in the Hong Kong Volunteer Force and my two brothers, 17, William and Edward, just coming up to 19, and Frederick, who was 20, they all joined the volunteer. And last time I saw my father, I just saw a lot of khaki uniforms and we were waving. Before they got in Hong Kong, the government had told the English people to burn everything you can, take out what you can and get out. And it was Australia. So dad took us down to the docks and we went to get on and they pushed my mother aside. That time, Australian had a different view for colours. Dad could take all us children, all ten of us, but he couldn't take his wife. So dad stayed behind. That was his death warrant because they were caught up eventually and taken as forced labour to Japan and only one came back. My brother in Hong Kong, Edward, had surrendered. William died in the first three days, bombing with a lot of other young men. I mean, they joined up without knowing how to hold a rifle, let alone fire it. All my grandparents on my mother's side were killed in the bombing. Just she had one sister that survived because she had gone to pick up the children from school or something. They shipped Dad back to Hong Kong. By then, he was blind where they'd beaten him. My other brother was made to watch in Japan. They were unloading ships for the Japanese. And my brother only survived Fred because he could eat what he could see, managed to open tins of fruit and whatever, but he had to hide the evidence. He couldn't take anything to his father because, you know, they had to work in separate places. So poor dad died of beriberi where they beat him because he wouldn't work. And they shipped him back to Hong Kong because dad, being the overseer of the dock, could speak all the dialects of Chinese. And I expect he understood a bit of Japan as well. So they shipped him back and he died in Bowen Hospital. He got someone to write a letter to mom to say, Angelina, there's nothing here now. You're to take the children to my brother in Somerset. Arthur knows you're coming. And he apologised for all his misdoings to him. We were pushed out on the balcony not to listen. But you know what children are like. We were listening to this letter. 
and everyone was crying. If they were crying, we knew there was something wrong. And um, we knew that father had died in this hospital. But father had luckily was in the bed next to a Portuguese solicitor and did a will. And it was secretly buried in the garden in the hospital. And this man, after the war, had remembered where it was. They must have made a marker or something. And he left mum a good pension and money till we were 16. How much did you weigh at the end of the war? Just over 28 pounds. I looked like a three-year-old instead of a nine-years-old. That's what I looked like. I was very tiny. When you were liberated? Yes. How did we find out? Yeah. Well, it was very quiet and we couldn't understand it. We woke up and we were frightened to go outside. We looked over the balcony. There was no Japanese about. Looked on the beach, couldn't see anyone guarding or anything. Then a plane came very low and parcels were being dumped out and they were shouting out, the war has ended, the war has ended. Mine ended up in August the 15th, six months after the German war. Six months after, we were still locked up. Japanese had disappeared, but we had to wait. We were so wanting to get out of this big, big gate. And it was a medical officer. And they had to push us back. And they were spraying us with DT or whatever, pumping all this on stuff on us. For three days, we had to stay while they checked us all over. Then we were taken to small ships. And then on to the Empress Australia, great big ship, to come over to my uncles, who I never met, nor had my mother. How did it affect the rest of your life, that experience as a child? I'll tell you a story before I tell you how it's affected me. We hadn't gone to the Indian quarters, and there was a boy a few years older than us, and he was bullying my niece, and my niece would not hit him back. I said, you hit him, you hit him. So I'm afraid... I got hold of his head, and I was so angry with him. His head was like jam, and it took two adults to pull me off. And at that age, I said to myself, I must never lose my temper like that again. Never. And I don't lose my temper very often. But I stand up for my rights, mind. I won't have injustice. He was all right, but he never bullied Rosemary again. What about the rest of your life? You obviously say don't lose your temper. Is there anything else that you still do today because of your experiences as a child? Oh, yes. I don't like waste of anything. I seem to collect cardboard boxes thinking they would make nice parcels. And I mend clothes. I can't do it so much now as I'm older because my eyesightings are good. And Barbara, do you have nightmares? Do you still see these things in your head? I think it was hunger more than anything else and screams that I hear sometimes. When I first came out of camp, I used to have awful nightmares, and I had to sleep with my mother till I was nearly 17 because I had such terrible nightmares. There's no counselling or anything in them days. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Barbara. That was very, very moving indeed. Thank you for sharing it with us. And you're now... How old are you now? I should be 86 in October. Amazing. Well, I just want to say a huge thank you, Barbara, for coming on and telling us all about it. Well, thank you. It's very, very moving. I look forward to seeing you again next time I'm in Wiltshire. I love watching your programmes. That's very kind. I think we'll have the history of
of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Dan Snow's History. I really appreciate listening to this podcast. I love doing these podcasts. It's the highlight of my career. It's the best thing I've ever done. And your support, your listening is obviously crucial for that project. If you did feel like doing me a favour, if you go to wherever you get your podcasts and give it a review, give it a rating, obviously a good one, ideally, then that would be fantastic and feel free to share it. We obviously depend on listeners, depend on more and more people finding out about it, depend on good reviews to keep the listeners coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe as a special gift. You can also get your first three months for just one pound a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.